here's what we're going to do tonight. You, you have your outline, and you can just kind of toss it in your Bible and put it away, because we're not going through it tonight. This is pastor's outline. It looks like one of pastor's outlines, doesn't it? And uh, this is pastor's outline, and he will be actually walking through this outline, Lord willing, next Wednesday night. And so we are going to walk through some preliminary information about the life of Joshua that I think will complement what Pastor will share next week in that, the first installment in the book of Joshua. And I think the two will complement really, really well. And what I want to do tonight is do a survey through a few different books uh, that show some of the early life of what we know of the man Joshua. And Joshua had an intriguing life, and, and, and there are a lot of principles that God was teaching Joshua all along the way, that all of a sudden he gets to this, this time in his life, Deuteronomy chapter 34 into Joshua chapter 1. And, and, and if you know the story of Joshua, typically we pick up in Joshua chapter 1 and, and we move along. Well, it's believed that Joshua was 85 years old at that point. And if, if he was 85 years old, there's a lot of things that led him to that point prior to Joshua chapter 1. And so tonight what I'd like to do is I would like to do a survey of a few different passages. And I'm going to have you turn to a few different passages. And we're going to start in Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. We're going to look at a few principles that we see the life of, jo uh, of Joshua and see what God was teaching Joshua. Uh, if you know me, I have a hard time sitting down, so I probably won't sit for too much longer, uh, and, and, and I'm short, so they lowered the lights so that it would hit me, and uh, because the, during the last round, it was Pastor and Ryan Scott taught one time. I'm not nearly as tall as either one of them, and uh, so I'll probably be up and moving around just a little bit, uh, but be, being aware that we have live stream as well, but Exodus chapter 17. Here's what I'm going to do, and I know we have live stream, but I want to ask you this question. In, in, throughout Scripture, <clears throat> who are some of the people that are your, what you would call your Bible heroes? Uh, name, name some of them, and we're just going to call them out, and I'm going to repeat it so that those on live stream can hear uh, the name that you say. But outside of Jesus, which we all would say is our ultimate hero uh, in, in Scripture, who are some of your Bible heroes throughout the Bible? Somebody, somebody start off. Okay? David. Paul. Did you say Jonathan? Yes. Ruth. Peter? Say it again. Job. Wow, what we can learn from Job. Joseph. I almost said Joseph a minute ago when I was talking about Joshua. Anybody else? Moses. Luke. Yeah, some great Bible heroes. I've got several that stand out in the Word of God that are kind of like my Bible heroes. Joshua's one of them. That's why we're starting this way. Joshua's absolutely one of my Bible heroes. I love, love, love studying Joshua and, and the life of Joshua, uh, the leadership of Joshua. 
There's so much to be gleaned from Joshua. Uh, one of my Bible heroes is, is a lady in the book of Judges named Deborah. Do you remember the, the, the story of Deborah? I'm not telling it tonight because it has nothing to do, but she was absolutely, she's one of my Bible heroes just to see how she handled uh, some of the situations with Barak uh, at that time. Uh, so there, there's, there's just so many different individuals throughout Scripture that jump off the page that are our Bible heroes. Of course, Hebrews 11 walks us through that hall of faith and there's so many uh, that are listed in that hall of faith but some really good bible heroes but joshua is one of mine and i I love uh, several years ago my father-in-law probably early in my marriage gave me a book that was called the disciplines of a godly man and i do believe my father-in-law really exemplifies that the disciplines of a godly man and and he thought it would be a good read for me as a son-in-law to learn the disciplines of a godly man. And, and I, I read through that book many, many years ago, probably 20 years ago. And then as a pastoral staff, a, a couple of years ago, we walked through that book again. And so it was kind of a refresher for me walking through the disciplines of a godly man. And one of the lessons that is in the book, The Disciplines of a Godly Man, talks about leadership. And I love studying leadership principles, but the best leadership principles are found right here in the Word of God. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many books that have been written about leadership, uh, but the Bible is chock full of leadership principles. And uh, the, the uh, book, The Disciplines of a Godly Man, walked through several leadership principles that Joshua learned all along the way as God was preparing him to walk the children of Israel, to take over for Moses, to walk the children of Israel into the promised land and to claim what God had given them many, many years before. And, and, and so we're going to walk through some of those leadership principles tonight because I think they apply to all of us. Uh, we all have different spheres of influence, whether it be within our families, uh, whether it be within our workplace, within the church, within, sometimes it's even self-leadership, and we, we need to learn what does the Bible say about leading in these different areas. Now Joshua, he gets to Joshua chapter 1, and he is taking over for what is believed to be the greatest leader that Israel has ever seen, Moses. And Moses, as this great leader, this this well-known leader, now all of a sudden, Joshua is supposed to step in and fill those shoes. Well, he couldn't really fill those shoes. And so God had to reinforce over and over again that Joshua was the one that was prepared and ready to take over for this man, Moses. Well, God didn't start at Deuteronomy 34 when Moses was going off of the scene to begin preparing Joshua. God started many, many, many years earlier, and we see some of those throughout Scripture. You're in Exodus chapter 17, and if you want to take some notes, here's some qualities of Joshua that he learned that were leadership principles. The first one is the power of prayer, the power of prayer. Exodus chapter 17, look in verse 8. The Bible says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel at Rephidim, And Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses 
held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Can you imagine? As he's holding his hands up. We used to do this drill in athletics and sports. I played a few different sports growing up. And, and our coach, at the end of a long practice, would have us running around a basketball court doing laps with our hands above our heads. And, and, and as soon as they start to drift, he would start to yell at us, get your hands back above your heads. And, and that is a very difficult drill, especially at the end of practice. And he, Moses here, he, he keeps his hands up. And what most scholars would believe is he is in intercessory prayer for this battle. Joshua is leading this, this battle, doing the fighting, but Moses is in intercessory prayer. He is intervening on behalf of his men with, with God. And God is blessing, but as long as, as he had his hands up, God was blessing, and as soon as his hands started to fall down, then Amalek, the enemy, started to prevail. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side, the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek, and his people with the edge of the sword. That, that word discomfited mean, means he, he, he beat the tar out of them. Uh, no, he had a great victory. Uh, that, that they had no chance because God was intervening through intercessory prayer. Uh, that that what is what was happening at this time. Joshua learned a very important principle that is going to play out. Uh, when you get into the book of Joshua, you're going to see this play out. Joshua learned this, he learned the power of prayer. That it wasn't about the army's readiness, it wasn't about the leadership of Joshua or even Moses for that matter, it was about Almighty God intervening on behalf of Israel in order to have that victory. And what a great lesson that is to learn that ultimately we as individuals, we try to carry more than what God intended us to carry. We carry these burdens and we carry these responsibilities and we carry all of this and we put them on our shoulders and we try to try to man up and we try to carry all these things and do all of what we think we're supposed to do and we try to do all these things in our own strength and God would remind us, hey, leadership principle number one, Joshua, there's a big calling I have on your life. Leadership principle number one, you can't do it. But with God, all things are possible. You can't do it, but with God, all things are possible. Can I encourage you, church family, that there are things in our life that you weren't meant to carry alone, but with God, all things are possible. And as we carry those things through the power of prayer, God allows us to walk through situations that, that we don't feel like we have the power to walk through. God allows us to face a challenge that we don't feel like we have the, have the abilities to face. God allows us to do things in our life that, that, that we didn't feel like we would be able to do, but it, it's not because we are strong, it's because He is strong and He is working through us. And that power of prayer is what Joshua learned. Joshua learned the real power was not in the sword, but in God. 
complete victory. Uh, think about this. If, if he had a complete victory without Amalek prevailing, without Moses intervening in prayer, he would have learned a different lesson. Hey, as long as we're strong, as long as we've got this all figured out. Did you ever think about the fact that sometimes God allows you to have certain things in your life so that you realize you can't carry it? But taking it to God is what we must do. Ian Bounds said of those that have had effectual spiritual leadership, he said this, they are not leaders because of brilliancy, but because by the power of prayer, they could command the power of God. By the power of prayer, they could command the power of God. Leadership principle number one is the power of prayer. Leadership principle number two is a vision. Joshua realized he needed to have a vision. Now that vision may not be exactly what we think it is. Turn over in your Bibles to Exodus 24. We're just going a few pages at a time. Exodus chapter 24. Oftentimes leadership books will teach leaders that in order to be an effective leader, you have to have a vision. The Bible talks about that some, that talks about vision in different parts of Scripture. But oftentimes we think about having vision as being, I've got to have this big vision laid out for my organization, whether it be a church or a company, I've got to have this big, big vision so that we can dream and see where all we're going. Well, Joshua learned that the power of the vision that he needed to have was not a vision as we think of it in the truest sense of the word as a vision of where we're going. The vision that he needed to have is his vision of who God is, of who God is. Look in Exodus chapter 24. The Bible says in verse 9, Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand. Also they saw saw God and did eat and drink. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to, to me into the mount, and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and a law. And commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. Do you get the scene that's going on here? Ultimately, Moses is going up and he's going to be given the law by God, face to face with God. And he's going up in order to have this happen. And he takes Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders. And the Bible says in verse 12, And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there. And I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up and his minister Joshua. Take note now, two of them are going further. There's 70 elders. There are two that are going further, Moses and Joshua. Here's our man Joshua. And Moses went up into the mount of God. And he said in verse 14 unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any of you have any matters to do, let him come unto them. And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. And of course, that was the presence of God that was there. Verse 16, And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. 
And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. So the, the 70 elders and Moses, Nadab and Abihu, all of these individuals, these leaders, go up into the mount. And, and then God is there, calls Moses to come up further. So Moses and Joshua go up further into the mount. And they are there for six days. On the seventh day, God calls Moses, not Joshua, but Moses to go up even further so that he could give him the law and the commandments. And so Joshua is there, the Bible says, for 40 days and 40 nights. Joshua is there by himself. He's at that point of the mount for 40 days by himself. Moses is up further. These 70 elders are down lower. And, and during that time, no doubt, Joshua is, is seeing what is happening above him, and he's, he's getting a glimpse of who God is. And his vision of God is being expanded, just like many other leaders throughout Scripture had a large vision of who God is. And so Joshua was getting this vision, and someone the leader's vision of God makes all the difference in his life. The leader's vision of God makes all the difference in his life. We know that later Joshua would come, and we'll, we'll learn this, will come face to face with God, the captain of the Lord's host, as a warrior in full battle dress, and Joshua immediately fell and worshipped him. We can see this throughout scripture, David. Uh, young David's vision of God grew. You know when it grew? It grew when he was a shepherd boy. It, it, he, he began to have a big vision of who God is. He's contemplating God's vastness as he sees the stars and, and all that God has done. So when he comes face to face just as a young man uh, with, this, with this giant that is scoffing at his God, he already has a big vision of who God is. The challenge that was in front of him was minuscule compared to his, the vast God that he already knew that he had. You see what, uh, why this is so important? As a Christian leader, if we understand who God is and we have a vastness of who God is and we see God uh, as a big God, uh, then, then we, when we come face to face with trials and challenges and circumstances of life, uh, we, we almost realize, hey, those are really, really small compared to the big God that I have. You see how prayer couples in together with our vision of who God is. You know, it's not about how, how, how brilliant a leader is to cast this bold vision, although that is helpful at times. That vision should only be coupled with a big God, recognizing how big God is. Isaiah tells us that. Isaiah saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. This vision launched him into spectacular leadership service. Uh, Isaiah 6, 8 says, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Uh, Isaiah realized how big God is and he's first to volunteer. 
Peter, James, and John saw Jesus transfigured uh, so that his glory shone as the sun. Uh, Their leadership was going to be key when Christ was off of the scene here on earth. Uh, And and as he ascended, this early church was beginning. We just walked through the book of Acts. And and Peter, James, and John were integral. But do you know why they were able to do that? Because they had a big God. They already realized who God was in their life. Uh, we, we see this playing out over and over and over again. It is said that Robert Wilson, he's a, he's a celebrated scholar. He used, many, many years ago, over 100 years ago, he served at Princeton Seminary. And he would, from time to time, like to go to those preacher boys that, that, that he trained. He would like to go to their churches. And it is he would slip into the back of the church because he didn't want that preacher to know that he was there. And he would go in and somebody once asked him, what, what were you wanting to see? Were you wanting to see that they applied every lesson well that you taught them? That they were able to exposit the Word of God in a brilliant way because of the lessons that you taught them? He said, no, I'm looking for one thing. He said, I'm looking to see if they're, they are, and, and a quote is, whether they are big godders or small godders. In other words, I'm looking to see how big of a vision do they, ha- do they see in God. It's not about how many people are in their church. It's not about uh, what the vision of, uh, that, uh, that they're doing within their community. It's about who do they see God to be. Do they see God to be a big God in their life and in their ministry? Or do they see God as a very small God that has to work through my brilliance and my eloquence? And he's, he, he was wanting them to, to, to recognize that God is a good God. God is a big God. And having a vision of God in the form of who He is only helps us to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. I, I could stay on these for a while, but let, let's move on. The power of prayer, the power of a vision, the power of devotion, number the power of devotion. Exodus 33, we're just kind of moving through these Old Testament books, many of which we've studied over the past couple of years. Uh, but seeing Joshua, these representations, and I apologize for this clipping of my microphone, uh, we'll, we'll just kind of push through it for now. Uh, Exodus 33, look in verse 7. The Bible says, And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp afar off. Uh, from the camp and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. It came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. So the tabernacle's outside of the camp, and those that wanted to seek God are going out to the tabernacle. They're going to uh, where God's presence is. Verse 8, and it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended. Of course, God's presence again stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. Check this next verse, verse 11. This is an amazing verse to me. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. What an amazing thing that is. Uh, can you imagine speaking face to face to God as a man speaketh unto his friend? Just, just an amazing thing. Uh, and he turned again into the camp, Moses did. But here it is. His servant Joshua, the son of Nun, 
a young man departed not out of the tabernacle. He didn't depart out of the tabernacle. Joshua, in this situation, was so overcome by God's presence that he would not leave the tabernacle. He, he wanted to stay right there and continue worshiping God, and continuing to recognize the vision of who God is, continue to spend time communing with God. He wanted to stay right there. What a great example that was. As a young man, he was learning that my vision of God, spending time in prayer with Him, my vision of God, my, my devotion to Him is the most important thing that is preparing me for the next step in my life. We see other people in scripture that were the same way. Mary of Bethany. She wouldn't leave the room where Jesus was. She was so enraptured at the feet, at his feet, despite Martha's scolding of her. But what about us? Do we get so caught up in our responsibilities that we forget to sit at Jesus' feet? Or are there times that we sit at Jesus' feet and we get so lost that everything else kind of is secondary to the, to the responsibilities that, that we think are so important in our life. Uh, there, I, I believe it was Martin Luther once said uh, that I have so much to do that I need to spend the first hour of my day in prayer. It, recognizing that spending time with God was the key to his success, uh, not in addition to, uh, to his responsibility, key uh, to his success. Joshua was learning these lessons, and he's learning them as a young man, that when we jump into that first chapter of Joshua, and we see him boldly taking on that next step of, of leading the Israelites, and leading the children of Israel into Canaan, and having these great victories, make no mistake that it was because the keys were, were what he learned early in his life. And he's taking these leadership principles, and he's applying them step by step, by step, Jesus said in Luke 10, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Uh, what about us? Uh, the power of prayer, the power of a vision, the power of devotion to our almighty God. Uh, number, number four, I think I'm on, the power of humility. The power of humility. Uh, turn over in your Bibles, we're, we're going to turn to Numbers. Numbers chapter 11, we're getting closer to Joshua. Numbers chapter 11, if you'll look down in verse 28, the Bible says, but there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad, the name of the other was Medad, and the spirit rested upon them. That's important. The Spirit was resting upon them, meaning that, that they were carrying a message from the Lord, that God was with these two individuals. The Spirit of the Lord was resting upon them, and they were of them that were written, but went not out unto the tabernacle, and they prophesied in the camp. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. It's almost like this, this young man coming in to tattle on these two individuals. Uh, hey, Moses, uh, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. A and implied there is, isn't that your job? Aren't you the only one that can prophesy in the camp because you're the leader? A and, and these two are, are threatening your leadership. That's what's being implied in this uh, passage. 
And so this young man runs in. Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men, answered and said, My Lord Moses forbid them. Joshua kind of gets caught up. This one young man comes in and says, Hey, jo- hey Moses, do you know what they're doing out there? They're, they're trying to, to, to take over your territory. Joshua jumps in as a young man, speaking before he really realizes what's going on. Uh, he speaks first, and he says, Moses, forbid them to do that. You should forbid them. And he's thinking he's giving good counsel here. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake? He's saying, are, are you worried about them speaking truth because of me? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Moses taught individually now Joshua a lesson that was going to be extremely important for the rest of his ministry, for the rest of his life as he's leading step by step the children of Israel. The Bible says that that Moses was the meekest individual in all of the earth. That's what the Bible tells us, that Moses was the meekest individual in all of the earth. What Moses in his humility is saying here is there's room enough for more people to have the Spirit of God on them than just me. I'm not worried about my, my, my leadership is not being challenged because God is working through someone else. But think about this for just a moment. Our society teaches us that in organizations, and sometimes we play this out in ministry, that if someone else is getting more recognition than us, if someone else is getting, getting promoted when we think we should, that, that we should do things to negatively put them in a light that, that promotes us and tears them down. And this young man, man that ran in and tattled on Eldad and Medad, and Joshua, even in his response, is almost saying that that's how we should handle this. Hey, tell them, put them in their place. What Moses said here is extremely important, that, that God's working is up to God. It's not up to me. And if God wants to work through Eldad and Medad, hey, would to God that every person would have the Spirit of God on them and that they would all be prophets. And only God would be promoted even more through that. And church family, can I encourage you that that's how we ought to see things. You know, when we're volunteering or serving in a particular area and someone's getting recognized and we're not, hey, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that they're serving in an area. Praise the Lord that God's using them. When God allows someone in an organization to be raised up, praise the Lord because God will promote you in due season. God will, as you're faithful in the little things, God will allow you more to manage. God has you in a particular area for a particular purpose. Don't worry about what God's doing with someone else. Praise the Lord for their promotion. Praise the Lord that God is using them. When we look across the, the, our town and we see other churches that God is using, hey, praise the Lord. Aren't you glad that other churches are helping to reach this area for Christ? We can't do it all, but praise the Lord, there are other churches that are faith that are reaching this area for the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that there are people getting saved because of, because of what they are doing within their churches. Praise the Lord for that. We're not in competition. We're about building the kingdom of God. 
And praise the Lord for His working. Uh, but so many leaders get caught up in, well, I don't want them to succeed because they might, they might succeed more than I did. And that is small thinking that Moses is teaching, hey, if you're going to lead the children of Israel, you're going to have to expunge this from your, th- your thought process, Joshua. And, and he began to learn that lesson directly, up close and personal, uh, because of what Moses was teaching him here. Luke 22 says, For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat... Or he that serveth is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. And sometimes we think that, well, this is more important than this. And Jesus said, no, I'm sitting among you as a servant. And you get these things oftentimes so skewed because of the way we view things. So the power of prayer, the power of vision, the power of devotion, the power of humility. Next, the power of faith, the power of faith. Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. And we're now getting into the spying out of the land. And we don't have time to go into this deeply. We we could spend sermons on this point. But Numbers 14 says in verse 6, And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land. For they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them and the Lord is with us, fear them not. Joshua learned a lesson right here that the majority is not always right. The majority is not always right. Just because the majority says something doesn't mean that they are right, especially when the majority is going against what the Word of God says, what what we have as the completed Word of God. Well, for years, the the Israelites were in Egypt and they were given the promise over and over and over again for generations that that you will ultimately be given this promised land. And finally, God performs miracle after miracle after miracle with the leadership of Moses and they walk out of Egypt and the plagues all happen. They, They go through on dry land through the Red Sea and now they're finally at the precipice of this of this promised land. And Moses sends these 12 spies in and and the 12 spies come out and they all agree this land is exactly what God said it would be. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. They brought back these clusters of grapes. If you remember, the Bible says a couple pages earlier that they they picked these clusters of grapes, that these these clusters were so big that they had to put it on this wood stave and and two men had to carry one cluster of grapes. Uh, This was a land that was prepared for them. It was a land that was flowing with milk and honey. It was a land that was given to them. All they had to do was claim it. And yet... Ten of them came back and said, yeah, but nevertheless, there's giants in the land. Nevertheless, we're not ready to go take it. And praise God, Joshua and Caleb at this time stood up in that face of that and said, no, God has already given us the victory. All we need to do is go claim the land. But Moses listened to the naysayers. 
Uh, Moses, listen, remember the, the Bible says, would God that we would have stayed in Egypt? Man, all these miracles that God has done. Church family, you know, there's sometimes that, that when we look back in our life, God has done some amazing things. God has done amazing things in your life, saving you and bringing you out of troubles and bringing you through trials, helping you to have victories that that only can be attributed to God. Uh, It's amazing when I look back in my life and when we look back in the life of Rosedale Baptist Church, how many victories have been gained and yet we stand at the precipice of what God wants to do and we're like, oh, you know what? There's too many many problems. There's too many trials. It's too hard. I, I don't think we can do it. And God would say to us, hey, I've already given you the victory. All you have to do is claim it. You don't have to, I'm going to fight your battles for you. You don't have to fight all these battles. I am with you. Haven't you learned the lessons of the power of prayer, the power of vision of who I am? Haven't you learned these lessons already? And, and, And Joshua had a great faith. And his faith continued. And he learned that power of faith even through this situation. The power of faith. I'm going to close with this. If you turn in your Bibles in Numbers chapter 31, Numbers chapter 31, I've got a couple more principles, but those are, are really the most important ones that we can, we, can, uh, we can grasp because it's about who God is. And I apologize, it's Deuteronomy 31. Deuteronomy 31. In Deuteronomy 31 through Deuteronomy 34, what we see is Joshua is now being told, hey, it's time. It's time to take over the land, or or to take over Israel. It's time. All of your leadership has led you to this point. It is time. Moses is about to go off of the scene, and Joshua is going to step into his shoes. And, And over and over again, I can't even imagine what's running through Joshua's mind at this point. Again, Moses, the greatest leader that Israel's ever seen. Moses, the one that brought them out of bondage uh, through all of these miracles, has led them now for the last 40 years. And and now Moses is about to to be, be gone from the scene. And Joshua, hey, it's your turn to take over. And, and I love what God does in this moment. God recognizes Joshua's weakness. And in Joshua's weakness, he begins to strengthen him over and over and over again. In fact, seven different times from Deuteronomy 31 to Joshua chapter 1, he says this phrase, or this phrase is said about this situation mostly to Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and of a good courage. Seven different times, we know that seven has some significance in Scripture. It is the number of perfection. It does have some significance. But over and over again, we see this, be strong and of a good courage. Look down, you're in Deuteronomy 31. Moses is talking to Joshua, commissioning Joshua. Verse 6, it says, be strong and of a good courage. Verse 7, and Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of a good courage. So he said it to him personally, hey, be strong and of a good courage. You've already learned the lessons of who God is. 
you know that God's going to carry you through. You, you have the faith. You have all that you need to lead the children of Israel because you've been called and God's going to accomplish it through you. It's not about you, uh, Joshua. It's about what God's going to do. Be strong and have a good courage. He tells him that personally. Then he gathers the, the congregation around and he's, he's telling, giving him this charge. Hey, Joshua, be strong and have a good courage. He's... he's uh, really reinforcing Joshua's leadership uh, with, with all of the people. Be strong and of a good courage. Uh, look in verse 23. And, and Mo, verse 22, And Moses therefore wrote this song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. And he gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge and said, Be strong and of a good courage. Over and over and over again, which leads us to Joshua chapter 1. A few pages later, uh, we begin to see this play out again. And, and we see that that. Moses is now off the scene. Joshua is beginning to take over. Verse 5, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. God is now talking to Joshua, by the way. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. Verse 7, Only be thou strong and very courageous. Verse 9, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. If you scan just a little bit into verse 18, at the end of it again, it says, be strong and of a good courage. You know, I don't know what God is calling you to do. God may have something big that you already know, hey, I'm supposed to walk into to, to this area of ministry. There were a number of people on Sunday that, that said, hey, I, I want to be counted and be a part of what's happening in Recover Baltimore on Friday nights. That's, that's a big task. And you, and you may be sitting here thinking, I don't know how I'm going to accomplish that. Can I encourage you? Be strong and have a good courage. It's not something that you can do. It, it, you're not going to change someone's life. Only God can do that. Be strong and of a good courage. Allow God to, to lead you. Allow God to work in you. Allow God to give you the vision of, what, of who He is. Practice that commitment of prayer. Practice that pursuit of a great and growing vision of who God is. Practice that growing worship and devotion to God as, as Joshua did as he's falling before the face of God in that tabernacle and he won't leave the tabernacle because he's so committed to what God's doing and God is pouring out into him. Having that humility that, that it's not about who I am and what I can do, it's only about what God wants to accomplish through me and that faith that's transcending the doubts. Joshua is going to lean into that faith that he learned earlier in his life. And if he doesn't have that faith that God is going to accomplish what he said he's going to accomplish, then the next steps in Joshua's life are going to be impossible. And it's all about what God is doing and what God wants to do through Joshua. Why I love the book of Joshua is the parallel to Joshua is, we look at the book of Joshua and, and oftentimes call it how to live a victorious Christian life. Can I tell you, just walking with God can be difficult if we're not yielded to His Spirit, if we're not yielded to what He wants to do, if we're not spending time in His Word, if we're not praying to Him, if we're not allowing Him to work. And, and we're going to see principle after principle 
principle after principle in the book of Joshua about how to live a victorious Christian life, how, how to walk through trials, how to have great victories. But make no mistake, Joshua was prepared for this moment because of all of the lessons that God had taught him along the way, step by step, step by step, learning from what, what God had, and he learned those lessons well, and he learned the lessons in such a way that he was a doer of the word, a doer of the lessons, not just a hearer only. And so I hope this is a challenge to you as we walk into the book of Joshua. Next week, pastor is going to look at the man Joshua and some of how he got to where he was, not just the lessons that he learned, but how he got to where he was. And we're going to start looking at some of these principles in Joshua chapter 1. And so be back next week. I love the book of Joshua. I can't wait to go through this book and to learn all that God has prepared for us for this time. Strong and of a good courage. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you'll use these principles, these leadership principles, these Christian life principles so that we can glorify you in everything that we say and everything that we do. Lord, I pray that that one that just is hanging on today because they're not sure about the trial or the challenge that they're walking through. Lord, I pray that they would be strengthened in their faith and that they would be strong and of a good courage and yielded to you and put it on the altar and allow you to be who you are because, Lord, you are a big God. And, Lord, we, we trust you. We ask for your guidance and direction in each and every step of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.